the moment between vision and fruition. Up, Cornerstone. Did anybody come excited about Jesus this morning? Hey, y'all, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. So grateful, so thankful for each and every one of you. And I just want you to know that you just participated in a little experiment. For those of you who, like, have a problem with patience, that 60 seconds literally just killed you. Because you were like, what's going on? Like, where's nobody coming out on the stage? What the, what the heck, man? Right? And here's why I did that. Because that's exactly how you and I spend our time waiting on God. Oh my gosh, good. Where are you at? Where are you going to come, man? Like, I'm so tired of waiting. Come on, this is getting annoying. God, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a biological clock, God. Come on now. I can't keep waiting too much longer before you send me my husband. <laughs> so the question becomes, how do you and I learn how to wait better? Today we get the chance to kick off a brand new series on waiting. And, and, and here's what I want to say. One of the things that I've learned is I think that you and I have made a mistake by waiting on God. Because watch this. What if what God's going to do in your life takes five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Having to wait that long is painful. So here's the big idea. Here's what I want you to do. Instead of you waiting on God, you know what I want you to do? I want you and I to learn how to wait with God. There's a big difference when it comes to waiting with God and waiting on God. And the question becomes is when I wait with God, what does that actually look like? What am I supposed to do? Here's what I know. I'm in a room full of people who without a shadow of a doubt, more than likely, you have a dream. You've got a dream of getting married. You've got a dream of having kids. You've got a dream of getting promotion. You've got a dream of buying a big house. You've got some kind of dream. Other people in this room, you've got a dream that the Phoenix Suns are going to win the NBA championship. I just want you to know, keep on dreaming, baby. Keep on dreaming, okay? Um, so what do you do as you wait with God? You actually dream. But you don't dream about the thing that you necessarily want. Here's what DREAM is, D-R-E-A-M. -E I'm going to share an acronym with us. The DREAM is this. You delight, you recognize, 
You equip, you apply, and you make. For the next 20 to 30 minutes, I'm going to teach you how to dream with God. Before I jump into it, I want you to pray with me. Let's pray real quick. Hey, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word. I decrease and ask that you would increase. Hide me behind the cross. Let me say it only how you want me to say it and nothing more than that. And God, I'll be careful to give you glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And most importantly, let this word hit our hearts so that we would ever be transformed by the power of your word and the power of your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. So if you have your phones, I want you to start taking notes. We're about to go uh, over this acronym, DREAM. Uh, if you have an Android, we're praying for you. I know it's not the best phone in the world. It's okay. We all make mistakes. Fall short of the glory of God. Um, DREAM. The D is to delight. If you have your Bible, turn with me really quickly to Psalms number 37. Psalms number 37. I want to walk you through this Psalm of David. Here's what David says in Psalms number 37. He says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. How come, David? For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Here's what I know. All too often, you and I have a tendency to look at the lives of people and come to a conclusion that they're ahead of us, that they're further than us, that they've done more than us. And what I've also come to learn is that you and I don't know their whole story. Truth of the matter is that there are some people who look further ahead than you, but they did there by immoral means, unethical means. And here's what David tries to teach me and you. Stop paying attention to them. Don't worry about them, especially those who do it with, for, with a wicked or evil intention. Here's what he says to do in, in verse number 3. He says, instead, trust in the Lord and do good, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Hey, don't pay attention to them. Pay attention to me. Put your trust in me. But here's where I want to really get to, verse 4, which is most important. He says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Here's what happens. When you and I take delight in the Lord, the Holy Spirit has this capability of doing what I like to call open heart surgery on us. You see, when we take delight in God's presence, what he does is, is he literally implants in me and you and our hearts the very thing that he wants us to desire. All too often what happens is, is you and I have certain desires, but some of those desires don't line up with what God desires for us. So we feel like we're let down, disappointed. God, how come you're not coming through? Well, the reason why is, is because if you would take more time in taking delight in him, he'll start to change some of your desires and you'll start to see the season of your life a little bit differently. But the real question is, is what does it actually look like to take delight in the Lord. I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. I've been waiting to tell you what it looks like to take delight in the Lord. When you take delight in the Lord, here's what it means. It means that you desire God's presence more than you desire God's promises. Say it again. You should really write that down. As a matter of fact, you can put it on Twitter and give Cornerstone credit. Amen. Um, delighting in the Lord means... And looks like you desire the presence of God more than you desire the promises of God. And one of the things that has happened in my life in past seasons of my life is I would desire the promises of God more than I desire the actual presence of God. And what I've had to learn is, 
is that the promises never trump the presence. Not too long ago, I was sitting at home listening to a pastor, and he was talking about some things that was going on in his church on this podcast. Um, he had changed the name of his church, and here's what this pastor ends up saying on this podcast. Um, because the name of the church is Great Name Church, it's Famous Church, all that good stuff, and it looks like a promise, right? And here's what he says to this other guy on this podcast. He says, Tim, I never want to be in the promised land if God's presence isn't going to be with me. And when he made that statement, y'all, I started to bawl like a little baby because the reality is, is I know some of the things that uh, I want God to do in my life. But those things mean absolutely nothing if God's presence isn't with me. Watch this. All of you in this room, you have something that you are desiring that God would do in your life. And I want you right now to put that thing that you're desiring in the forefront of your mind. Got it? Okay, we're going to do another experiment. Take 30 seconds. I'm going to pretend to be God. Thank God I'm not. That's why I'm pretending. Um, and I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, let me turn around. You can get into character. Hey. <laughs> Listen. Um, you know I know you. I created you. I know your deepest desires. And I know the one thing you want more than anything in the world. Here's what I came to tell you. I'm not going to give it to you. I know you want to get married before 30. I'm not going to give it to you. Here's what I am going to do, though. What I would like to do for the rest of your life is give you my presence. For the rest of your life, every single day, I want to spend intimate time with you and you alone. And here's the question I want to ask you. Will my presence be enough for you? All right. So let me repeat what God just asked you. If God doesn't give you the thing that you want, heart check, will his presence be enough for you? I get a feeling that for some of us in this room, when that question was asked to you, his presence might not be enough. And I get it. I was in the same season of life at one point. The one thing I wanted God to do in my life, y'all, the one request I had was, God, I want you to do something big through me. That was the one request I had. And here's the thing. The request I had is a noble request. The request is, is God, I want to be used by you. But as I've gotten older, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being used by God, here's what I've learned. I've actually learned being with God always trumps being used by God. Can I prove it to you? Earlier this year, I was um, reading Genesis chapter 5 when I was going through my Bible through a year. And um, I'm about 120 days behind, but that doesn't matter. I'm still pressing forward, okay? So I'm in Genesis chapter 5. And um, I come across a passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 5, which in all honesty is a pretty boring chapter in the Bible. 
And the reason why Genesis chapter 5 is a boring chapter in the Bible is because it's nothing but the genealogy of Adam. But as I'm going through Genesis chapter 5, right around verse 21, the text takes a shift in this genealogy, and it starts talking about a man by the name of Enoch. How many of you heard of Enoch before? Okay, good. For those of you who haven't, you're in for a treat. Here's what you know about Enoch. There's only six verses of Scripture in the entire Bible on this dude named Enoch. And next to Jesus, he's become my absolute favorite person in human history. There are two people in Scripture, y'all, that have never died. One person many of you are familiar with, his name is Elijah. Scripture tells us that Elijah was taken up on a chariot, and when he goes up on the chariot, a double portion of his spirit falls on his successor named Elisha. But the other person in Scripture who never dies is this dude named Enoch. And when you read a genealogy, it has a consistent pattern. Here's the pattern. This person begat this person, lived this many years, died. This person begat this person, lived this many years, died. And that's all the genealogy says. But in Genesis chapter 5, we're going to go to it real quick. I'm going to begin at verse number 16. I want you to get a look at how the text changes in this genealogy as it relates to Enoch specifically. So beginning at verse number 15, here's what it says. It says, when Mahaliel was 65 years old, he became the father of Jared. After the birth of Jared, Mahaliel lived another 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Mahaliel lived 895 years, and then he died. When Jared was 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch. After the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another 800 years. He had sons and daughters. Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. Verse 21, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. And after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. And y'all, as I'm reading this text, my mind was blown that entire day. But it wasn't blown because Enoch disappeared. My mind was blown because out of all of those men, he's the only one that Scripture says he walked in close fellowship with God. Why is that important? As I'm sitting here trying to figure out why I'm stuck on Enoch, I get this, like, unction from the Holy Spirit to go to Hebrews. So I go to Hebrews chapter 11. And if anyone in this room has ever been to Sunday school, you know that Hebrews chapter 11 is considered the hall of faith. You don't make it into Hebrews chapter 11 without doing something big for God. What would be some examples? You make it into Hebrews chapter 11 because you're 100 years old and God trusts you to give birth to a child knowing you weren't supposed to be able to do that. You make it into Hebrews chapter 11 because you're a teenage girl who gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit and you have a virgin birth. You make it into Hebrews chapter 11 because all you got is a rock and a slingshot and you slay a giant named Goliath at 17 years old. You make it into Hebrews chapter 11 because your name is Daniel and you slept in a den of lions and you didn't get eaten alive. You only make it into Hebrews chapter 11 unless you do some significant work for God. But you know who showed up in Hebrews chapter 11? Enoch. Watch what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 about Enoch beginning at verse number 5. It was by faith. 
that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those, watch this, who sincerely seek him. So how in the world, Enoch, if you didn't slay a giant? How in the world, Enoch, if you didn't part a Red Sea? How in the world, Enoch, if you didn't have a virgin birth? How in the world do you make it into Hebrews chapter 11? I make it into Hebrews chapter 11. Because I desire God's presence more than I desire God's promises, and I set with him. Don't let the enemy fool you in thinking that you sitting with God isn't an act of faith. It takes faith to sit with him, wait with him, and trust in him. It doesn't take faith for you to walk out in disobedience. It doesn't take faith for you to sit there and make something happen. But it does take faith to delight yourself in the Lord. God, but all these people are doing this over here. But you know what? It's cool. I'm going to delight myself in you. Oh, but God, they got this, this, this. You know what? I'm tripping. God, it's cool. I'm, I'm going to delight myself in you. Because here's what you need to know. All those promises that you want, you know what I discovered about all of those promises? They're temporary. You know who he is? Eternal. And I'd rather have the eternal than the temporary any day of the week. So for the person who's anxious and trying to figure out how's this going to go, how's this going to work out, here's what I'm going to tell you. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now that I've delighted myself in the Lord, what's the next thing that I need to do? Here's the R. I need to recognize. Somebody say recognize. you got to recognize the role that God wants to play in your life. And here's the role that I know God wants to play in your life. One of the greatest I am statements that Jesus ever made is when he said, I am the good shepherd. The reason why it's so important that that statement is, is key in our lives and he becomes the good shepherd is because you and I need to know that when we wait with God, he's the one that's going to guide our lives, not ourselves. And anytime you try to play the shepherd without the good shepherd, it's not going to end well. Let me show you the benefits of allowing God to be your good shepherd. All of you know this scripture, but it's always good to go over it. It's Psalms number 23, one of the most famous psalms that's ever written. Here's what David writes in Psalms 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I have all that I need. Here's why that's so important. When I recognize that the Lord is my shepherd, yes, I might get agitated about what I don't have. Yes, I might get agitated that things don't look how the way I want them to look. But here's what I know. Because I'm waiting with him and not on him and he's my shepherd, I can take peace in the fact that I have all that I need. Here's truth of the matter. Here's one thing, y'all, I want really, really bad in this season. Y'all, I really want a Tesla Model 3. Like, no if, no ands, no buts about it. True story. I literally almost pulled the trigger on a Tesla Model 3. I was supposed to get one for my buddy. He was selling it. He found out something about the car. I couldn't sell it. And I was about to say, you know what? Let me just go and get this Tesla Model 3 on my own, right? It's an amazing car. It's like an iPhone on wheels. Um, but as I talked to a friend, one of my friends talked to me off a ledge, and he's like, Brent, this, this feels too rushed. Like, why, why, are, you, why are you moving ahead? And, and here's the truth of the matter. Y'all got a brand new car. My car's like a year old. It's a, it's a Mazda CX-5, right? It's a nice car. It's not the most masculine car, but it's a nice car, okay? Um, 
And then I got another one that's completely and totally paid for, 2011 Volkswagen Jetta. Here's what I recognized in that moment. I want the Tesla, but I got all that I need. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Hey, real quick, I need you to know something. You got all you need. And I'm not just talking about tangible things. You got all the gifts that you need. You got all the favor that you need. You got all the grace that you need. You got all the love that you have, all that you need because he's our shepherd. And when I allow him to be the shepherd in my life, not only do I have all I need, here's what the rest of the text goes on to say. He says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. Here's the truth of the matter. Some of you aren't resting because you're too busy waiting on God and not waiting with God. You are losing sleep. Because you haven't learned how to value the presence of God more than the promises of God. But when I care more about the presence of God more than I do the promises of God, oh, I get sweet sleep now. Because I'm connected to the one that's a promise keeper. But that's not all that happens. When I make him my shepherd, let's look what the rest of the text goes on and says. It says, he renews my strength. Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. But when he's my good shepherd, he renews my strength. So no, I don't need to order no Neutrogena off of Amazon because he make my skin look real good when he renews my strength. Watch this. He goes on to say this. Not only does he renew my strength, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. When I make him my shepherd, he leads me and guides me to the places that I'm supposed to go. But when I stop waiting with him, sorry, when I stop waiting on him, yes, instead of me waiting with him and I start waiting on him, I put myself on paths I got no business being on. Watch this. One of Jesus' greatest statements is he says, I leave the 99 and I go after what? The one. Okay, that was a little weak. I leave the 99 and I go after what? You know what I figured out? I figured out that the overwhelming majority of the people in this room, including myself, we ain't the 99. Usually we're the one. Here, here's two. There goes Sarah again. He said, why, Sarah, why are you dating him again? Girl, bring your butt over here. Come here. There goes Johnny again. I, I told Johnny, Johnny, why are you so angry? Boy, come over here. I'll give you something to be angry about. He leaves the 99, and he goes after the one. Good news. I know some of y'all ain't on the right path, but you know what he's doing? He's coming after you. He's coming for you. He's coming for you because he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a destiny for you. And he will leave the 99 just to come after you. So watch this. But I make him my shepherd. Here's what the rest of the text says. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings, and surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And here's what I'm going to do. I will live. I will dwell. I will rest. I will be with in the house of the Lord forever. The cheat code to life. It's not waiting on God. The cheat code to life is waiting with God. 
Now, here's what I know. Once you and I get to this place to where we start delighting ourselves in the Lord, we want his presence more than his promises. Once you and I get to the place that we recognize that he's our shepherd, here's what's going to happen. The adversary is coming for you. He's ready to attack because he knows that God has something for you. So what must you do? When I wait with God, I got to equip myself with the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, let's go to it real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse number 10. Here's what it says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. You all know that the enemy does not fight fair. And oftentimes when he shows up, he shows up because he knows that God's working something out in your favor behind the scenes. If you don't believe me, Jesus is a literal testimony of that happening. I can prove it to you. Matthew chapter 3, before I get into Matthew chapter 3, let me ask you this question. By show of hands, how many people in this room have been baptized? Praise God, I love it. Here it is. So, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized. And you and I know that when you become baptized, while we celebrate that you've declared your faith in Jesus, here's what also is accompanied with the baptism. You've been marked. And the enemy is watching you. Trying to see how he can devour you. But the same thing happened to Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. Heavens open up. Holy Spirit descends down. God speaks from the throne and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus then goes into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days. Why is he fasting for 40 days? Because his ministry is about to begin. And you and I know that the ministry of Jesus literally turned this world upside down. And the enemy knew that the ministry of Jesus was going to turn this world upside down. So what happens when Jesus is in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4? The enemy shows up. He tempts him on three different occasions to get him to fall. But he doesn't fall. He fails. And the next thing we see, Jesus begins raising the dead, healing blind eyes, healing the sick, turning water into wine, performing all kind of miracles. And then he gets to the cross and the enemy thinks he has them. Jesus dies, but y'all already know even though it ain't Easter, he ain't stayed dead. He got up out that grave with all power in his hand and gave the gift of salvation to every single person on this world. So, Pastor Brent, why are you bringing that up to me? I'm bringing it up to you because there are some people in this room right now, you don't even realize it, but you're not just being, life isn't just treating you unfairly, you are literally being attacked by the enemy. Some of you in this room need to recognize that you're going through spiritual warfare. Because he's not going to be happy the fact that you have delighted yourself in the Lord and that you're waiting with him. That you've made him your shepherd, that you've declared your faith in Jesus, so he's coming after you. But here's what I also know, he ain't going to win. 
Why is he not going to win? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I'm going to stand firm on the word of God no matter what comes my way because I'm not waiting on God. I'm waiting with God. So here it is. I've delighted myself in the Lord. I've recognized that he's my shepherd. I've equipped myself with the whole armor of God. Now what's the next thing I need to do? I need to apply. What am I applying? I need to apply this word. Psalms number one, I'll quote it from you out of the King James Version. Here's what it says, because I grew up in a Baptist church, and if you ain't read King James, you want to go into heaven. Amen. Um, so King James says this in Psalms number one, Blessed is the man who walks not on the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that shall yield fruit in season. Here's what's amazing about Psalms number one, y'all. When you and I make the commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to apply this word by reading this word and meditating on this word day and night. Here's a promise that's in the word. I'll be planted like a tree by the rivers of water and I will yield fruit in season and whatsoever I do, it will prosper. Can I be honest with you? The cheat code in life is not Google. Cheat code in life is not Oprah. Cheat code in life is not cryptocurrency. Cheat code in life is the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night. And here's the truth. I know sometimes it can be hard. I get it. That's why I'm 120 days behind. But don't stop reading the Word. Don't stop reading the Word. If you got to get a partner to help you read it, get a partner to help you read it. But read this word because it will absolutely set you up to be a more than conqueror in Christ Jesus. So watch this. Here's the last thing. I've got to make. What am I making? I've got to make my request. Here's the good news for all of you in this room. Remember I told you if God says, hey, I ain't going to do this thing. But here's what you can do. You can still make another request. See, when I wait with God, I can make as many requests as I want. Here's what scripture teaches us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Next verse. Then you'll experience God's peace. His peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you to learn how to dream. But the dream isn't about, am I going to get married? Am I going to get the house? Is God going to heal my body? Is my marriage going to... That's not the dream. The dream is, I'm going to delight myself in you. I'm going to recognize that you're my shepherd. I'm going to equip myself with the whole armor of God. I'm going to apply the word of God in my life. And you know what, God? I'm going to ask you for a couple of things. Y'all don't think I'm going to go back and ask God for this Tesla Model 3? Oh, I'm going to ask. I'm going to make my request known. I'm going to land the plane with this and then we're done. There are some of you here, no if, no ands, no buts about it. You've been waiting a long time. Since you've been waiting, here's the thoughts you've been having. I'm late. I'm behind. Here's what you need to know. You are not late. You are right where you 
are supposed to be. I'll share this last story and then I'm done. You all know uh, my family and I moved here in 2019 from Miami, Florida. In 2019 and 2020 were two of the just really, really, really hard and dark years in my entire life. I'll recap some stuff. So if you already know it, just bear with me real quick. Uh, 2019, we moved out here from Miami, Florida. But we didn't move out here because I got a job. We moved out here because my wife got a job. And because I wasn't nearly as mature as I am today. I'm going to be honest with you, y'all. My pride was hurt. I felt a little demasculated. She's supposed to be following me. Why, why am I following her? Right? I just said that because there's some dude in here who's struggling with that too. It's going to be all right, bro. It's going to be all right. So watch this. We move out here, but I'm trusting in God. So when we get out here, I have this, this dream. This dream that we're going to plant a church. Well, I preached this sermon in, in my seminary that I was in at the time, and I said something that offended some people, and here's what ended up happening. The church planting endorsement that I got from this organization that I was going to plant this church with, uh, they found out about the sermon that I preached, and they dropped my endorsement. Not only did the church planting organization drop my endorsement, in addition to that, I ended up getting kicked out of seminary. So here it is. We're in, in, in this, is, this is 2020, 2019 and 2020. And y'all, I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm not in ministry. I'm the assistant pastor of my church in Miami. I walked away from that. God what, in, God, what in the world are you doing? And then the next thing you know, to put some food on the table, I end up driving dump trucks. And let me just say, there's absolutely nothing wrong with driving dump trucks. Real quick, shout out to all the truckers. Truckers are amazing. But if you know my full story, people back in Miami gave me a nickname. It's Bougie Brent because I got some bougie tendencies to me, okay? So the last thing they ever expected was for me to be driving a dump truck. So here it is, I'm mad, I'm upset, and here's what my wife is telling me this entire season. She says, honey, just chill. It'll be okay. And here's my response. No, it ain't going to be okay. Do you not see what I'm going through right now? I'm driving dump trucks. I ain't working in ministry. When I'm not driving dump trucks, I'm driving Lyft. I'm doing Amazon, uh, the little delivery thing, doing all this stuff that I never would have thought in a million years that I would ever do in my life. I felt so humiliated, but I wasn't being humiliated. I was being humbled. Watch this. <laughs> Thank you, God. Fast forward, I accept an internship at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship. And who would have thought? And who would have thought in a million years that I would get the opportunity to serve at one of the greatest churches on this side of heaven weekend over weekend over weekend over weekend over weekend. It's been amazing. Now watch this. Watch this though. Because I'm, I'm, I'm the one, I'm that, I'm that sheep, I let my head get to a place not too long ago and I realized I'd struggle with an issue of comparison. I would look at other pastors who are my age and they would look like they were ahead of me, they were further than me, they did more things than me. And I'm like, and I sit down and I go to, to dinner with a, a friend of mine. He's a very close friend of mine, so he can get to speak to me how he wants to speak to me. And, here's, and I tell my friend about my issues and, and, and thinking back on it, I was such a fool. Um, and everybody who's 50 and over, y'all are going to laugh at me. Um, I say to my friend, I said, man, I feel, I feel like I'm late. I'm, I'm 36. <laughs> and here's what my friend looked at me and said. You're an idiot. <laughs> and he didn't say it with a smile on his face. You're an idiot. And y'all, it shook me because I knew it was true. So I go home. I can't sleep. I go downstairs, 1 o'clock in the morning. I say a short prayer, and the short prayer was this, Lord, 
will you help me? I struggle with comparison. Amen. That was the prayer. I go back upstairs. I have a dream, and I can tell you the dream. But I wake up. I share my wife, the, the dream with my wife, and my wife starts laughing at me. I said, why are you laughing at me? She says, because <laughs> the Holy Spirit laughing at you. I said, girl, what you talking about? She said, Britt, remember in 2019 and 2020 when all that stuff was going on in your life? And I kept trying to tell you, just chill. It'll be okay. And you didn't want to hear it. It's the same thing your friend was saying to you last night. And I think the Holy Spirit is trying to remind you that you're not late. Just chill. It'll be okay. You're going to get to where you're supposed to be when God wants you there. Hey, just chill. It'll be okay, friend. You're not late. You're going to get there when God wants you to be there. But in the meantime, Dwell in the presence of God. So I'm going to pray real quick. And then after that, I don't want you to leave. we got one more thing that we need to share with you. So let's pray. Hey, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this word. There are men and women in this room who heard this word. God, I pray that it falls on good ground. And there are men in this room who feel like they're late, that they're behind. I thank you right now that they're not late, but they are right on time. They're right where they're supposed to be. And they're going to get to where they're supposed to be when you want them there, not necessarily when they want to be there. In the interim, we make a declaration today that we will delight ourselves in you. We want your presence more than your promises. God, we thank you. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. We're so glad that you're here and a part of our online community. You matter to us. And maybe there's something in your life right now that you're waiting on God for. We would love to come alongside with you with prayer. So if you want prayer today, text prayer to 21999 and someone will reach out and come alongside and pray for you in this season of waiting. Hey, I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week and we'll see you next time.